<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Ron DeSantis is out there saying, uh, we're sick and tired of you being judgmental of us. Nobody's trying to get ill here. Right. This is the same guy who just signed an executive order forbidding schools from requiring students to wear masks, students who can't get vaccinated, students who carry COVID, students who are dying from COVID. One of the biggest increases that they're seeing in, in emergency rooms around the country relative, you know, of the Delta variant relative to all the previous ones is an explosion of children showing up in emergency rooms, children having to be intubated, children dying from this. We shared the story with you last week of the five-year-old, perfectly healthy kid, died in his mother's arms of COVID. They used to joke about it as, oh, oh yeah, COVID, it's the boomer remover. Not anymore. This is a Delta variant is an absolute equal opportunity killer or sickener. So we've got that. Tucker Carlson and Fox News are in Hungary for a week celebrating the end of democracy there. The oligarch Viktor Orban took over the country about 15 years ago and, uh, you know, completely stacked the Supreme Court passed national, essentially gerrymandering laws, so his party would never lose another election. This is sort of like in North Carolina, you know, they, they more than half, and in Wisconsin, um, and in Michigan, more than half of the people in the state voted for a Democrat for the House of Representatives, yet their congressional representation in the House, overwhelmingly Republican. They're doing the same thing in Hungary, only nationwide. In Nevada, this, again, over at Raw Story, just the headline kind of says it all. It's a picture of a bunch of guys wearing militia paraphernalia. GOP's civil war in Nevada erupts into ugly scene as far-right extremists try to bully their way into a takeover. And then the Moonies, the new head of the Moonies, remember the Moonies? No, these are not the Hare Krishnas. They're not dancing and saying peace. Reverend Moon made his millions as a defense contractor, he was a weapons manufacturer, and his son still is, and his son is out there saying that the AR-15 is an object of worship, right? And that there's a good way to die. And then we had Mikey Weinstein on talking about how Christian nationalists, this is a combination of white supremacy, 
the belief that not only are white people the ones who are supposed to inherit the earth and the United States, the laws should be changed, essentially. The nation should be reinvented to become a white ethnostate, which, by the way, we were up until the 1960s. Black people and many other people of color had basically no rights and certainly no right to vote. And this is the direction that ever since John Roberts got on the Supreme Court with the, uh, uh, with the Shelby County case where he gutted the Voting Rights Act has been taking us back towards, is turning America back into a white ethnostate. And when you compound this so-called white nationalism, this, this belief in white supremacy and that only white people should run America and that America is of, by, and for white people, when you combine that with this violent Christian militant, militancy uh, movement that is now being encouraged apparently by the son of Reverend Moon, there's a good way to die, what you end up with is a prescription for civil war and a particularly vicious type of civil war. And this is very, very concerning. This country was founded at least on the ideal of becoming a pluralistic, multiracial, you know, all men are created equal society. We obviously were not that for our first 200 plus years. We have the potential to be that now. We have the potential to be that you know, since 64, 65, with the passage of the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. But the forces that brought us white ethno-state nationalism from the founding of our republic until 1965 are rising. And they are doing it with violence. They're doing it with intimidation. They're doing it with massive amounts of money. Jane Mayer was on uh, Chris Matthews' show last night, I believe. Maybe it was with Ali Velshi. Um, she's got a new piece in The New Yorker that is absolutely shocking. And, and I, I, I'm, you know, Sean is, is working on getting her on our program to tell you uh, the details of it. But it is mind-blowing. I read it last night. There are all these right-wingers, and particularly some of these large right-wing foundations that don't even represent people who are still alive, right? Just, you know fortunes that were left that go back to the old John Birch Society where they were all hysterical about communists in the State Department and in the military. And now they are aggressively supporting Donald Trump and these white ethno-state nationalists, the white supremacists. And it's just an extraordinarily dangerous thing for America. So that's all happening on one side. On the other side, what we're finding is that the more progressive President Joe Biden becomes, or at least in his rhetoric, and, and certainly there was some extraordinary stuff in the American Rescue Plan that Democrats got through Congress without a single Republican vote, that has now, as of this moment, cut child poverty in America in half over the last, you know, compared to the last 40 years. You know, we, we have started, Democrats have started the process of putting America back together. But the same billionaires and foundations and, and right-wing cranks who are funding the Republican Party and their efforts to turn America into a white racist ethnostate are also funding a couple of the Democratic senators 
and a few of the Democrats in the House of Representatives, and it's really gumming up the works. In fact, I would argue, and I have been arguing on this program now for a, a month, that the whole effort on the part of the so-called Problem Solvers Caucus, this came out of the No Labels group, which was created by a bunch of Wall Street billionaires, and they, they spun off this caucus in Congress called the Problem Solvers Caucus, and basically they danced to the tune of Wall Street and the right-wing billionaires. And of course, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are members of this. And they're putting forward this $500 billion infrastructure bill. They're calling it a trillion dollars, but it's, it's only $500 billion of new money. And much of the money that it is that is in the bill is actually money that was passed back in June in the American Rescue Plan that is being repurposed because it never got spent. This is like with the whole eviction moratorium thing. We appropriated something close to, as I recall, $15 billion, maybe a little more even, to push out to the states so that the state governments could give this money to people who are renters who are in trouble. Give it to them. And only $3 billion of it has been spent. And so we're, you know, we're standing on the precipice of this major homelessness crisis. Not that we don't already have one. In a country where homelessness pretty much didn't exist 40 years ago before we, before we tried this extraordinary experiment with Reaganism and neoliberalism. There's some real positive trends on the one hand. Progressives are doing really well. The Progressive Caucus is growing. The President of the United States is using progressive rhetoric even if he isn't always supporting progressive legislation, but very often he is. I mean, these are, these are things we haven't seen in 40 years from Democrats. That's a good thing. But on the other hand, boy, they're coming for us. Trump's shadow cabinet is part of his ongoing coup. I'm guessing most of you didn't even know that Trump has a shadow cabinet. It's possible that he doesn't. Well, let's define terms first. A shadow cabinet. There are three countries in the English-speaking world. There, there's four major countries in the English-speaking world. The U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Australia. And uh, people sometimes add in uh, New Zealand. And of those countries, the only one that doesn't have what's called a shadow government is the United States. And back on literally on election day of last year, on uh, November, what was it, 3rd, as I recall, I said on this program, you know, we didn't know if Biden was going to win or not. You know, it certainly looked like he was. All the polling indicated he was. But that was the case four years earlier, too. All the polling showed Hillary Clinton was going to win by more than three million votes, which she did. 77,000 votes in, in four swing states turned it for Donald Trump, and it looks like all of them came about as the result of a combination of voters being purged from the voting rolls in several of those states and a massive influx of money from the United Arab Emirates and from Russia via trolls to convince, in particular, black people not to vote for Hillary Clinton because of her super predator comment. That was the principal thing that was going out. And then there was also the, oh, both sides are the same, don't even bother showing up. That was going out. Those were the main memes. But in any case, I, I you know, when talking about that on the air, I said, you know, uh, 
if Biden loses this election and Trump gets a second term, then what Biden should do is set up a shadow government with a shadow cabinet like they do in the UK and Australia and Canada. That way, the shadow government, you know, if, if the government, if Trump's government comes out and says, okay, our new immigration policy is that we're going to shoot people at the border. And the, the shadow cabinet then comes out and the shadow immigration czar says, if we were in power, our policy would be completely different. It's just a way of communicating what you would do. The shadow governments and the shadow cabinets, and that's what they're called. And I've got links to them, actually, in the article for the UK, Canada, and Australia uh, in, the, in the piece I wrote over at HartmanReport.com today. Those shadow governments are not trying to disrupt their government. They're not trying to overthrow their government. They're not claiming that they are actually the government when they are not. They are simply saying, you know, if you put us in power in the next election, this is how we would respond to this thing that is happening today. And I think that's a good idea, actually. I think both parties in the United States should do the same thing. A fringe, right-wing, internet-based TV show over the weekend was Mark Meadows, chief of staff. This was Friday night, and he said, we met with several of our cabinet members tonight. We actually had a follow-up meeting with some of our cabinet members. He used the phrase cabinet or cabinet members, as I recall, 17 or 18 times in that interview. And then he referred to Trump the same way that Trump refers to himself and other people refer to him in the literally daily now fundraising emails I'm getting from Donald Trump. He, he has brought in $100 million in the first six months of the year from, from the poor shills that, that get these uh, emails from him. Poor suckers that get these emails from him. And in them, he refers to himself as President Trump. And that's what Mark Meadows said, uh, which was very strange. He said, Donald Trump is a president who is fully engaged, highly focused, and remaining on task. And what this tells me is that we have been looking at January 6th with the wrong lens. We've been thinking that January 6th was the moment of the attempted coup. And I'm saying, no, Donald Trump started the coup, the attempt to overthrow the United States government and end democracy in America. He started that. I, well, you, I mean, I, I could actually build an argument that he started it back during the primaries in 2015, but, but really in a big way, the day after he lost the election on November 4th, when he started talking about there was fraud in Philadelphia and there was fraud in Detroit and there was fraud in Pittsburgh and there was fraud in Milwaukee and there was fraud in Atlanta and uh, there's fraud in Phoenix, all towns with large black populations. And by the way, it's only counties with large black populations that Republicans are talking about auditing. They're only doing Maricopa County in Arizona. They only want to do Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. They're talking about doing Detroit in Michigan. This is really all about race. But my point is that the coup began the day after the election, the day after Trump lost the election, and is still rolling on. It is still happening. You know, Voltaire famously said that uh, if you can make people believe absurdities, you can cause them to commit atrocities. Jim Jones basically said if you can convince people, I mean, he didn't say, but his actions, um, that if you can convince people enough, you can cause them to kill themselves. But Jones was a piker. He only killed 913 people. Uh, Donald Trump uh, has killed, according to some pretty good medical analysis, 
At least 400,000 of the 610,000 Americans who have died already did not need to die and, and would not have died had the United States simply ta taken the same, you know, masking and contact tracing choices back when Trump was president that South Korea did, that Taiwan did, that Japan did, that most of Europe did. You know, it just, we wouldn't have had those deaths. But now, I mean, to this day, to this moment, there are people showing up in hospitals, deathly sick, claiming that I can't have COVID. There's no such thing. It's a hoax. Donald Trump told me it's a hoax. I know it's a I read it on Facebook. It's a hoax. As they're having, you know, the, the anesthetic put in their vein to knock them unconscious so that they can shove a tube down their throat to breathe for them. I don't have COVID. It's not possible. I mean, Jim Jones was a piker. You got this Pastor Greg Locke in Tennessee. He's saying, you know, this, this vaccine and then this disease, it's all a hoax. And, and uh, don't, if you wear a mask in my church, I'll throw you out and don't get vaccinated. This guy has blood on his hands. Because the coup is rolling on. Down in Florida, you've got Ron DeSantis, who's trying to live up to his name of Ron DeathSantis. Which is, I mean, this is pretty amazing when you think about it. If it's true that a majority of the people who are dying of COVID are right-wing Republicans, I think it's, it was less true a year ago than it is now. 39,000 people have died of COVID in Florida. That we know of. You know, the, DeSantis fired his state epidemiologist because she was claiming that he was radically undercounting the, the number of deaths. But 39,000 plus officially died of COVID in Florida. Ron DeSantis won the last election by 32,463 votes. Is he killing off his own voters? And by the way, that was after he had purged over a million voters, or not he, but the Republican Party had purged over a million voters from the Florida voting rolls in the uh, 24 months before the election. But now DeSantis is issuing a, a, uh, an executive order saying that you cannot mandate that kids in schools wear masks when kids can't get vaccinated. And the older kids, the kids over 12, you know, they have one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country, particularly in Florida, because their parents aren't vaccinated. And I'm telling you, when these kids go back to school, and in some, I believe in Georgia, they're starting back to school right now, this week. In Florida, it's gonna be in about two weeks. When these kids go back to school, all hell is gonna break loose. Because this virus is as contagious as chickenpox. And chickenpox just rips through communities. But apparently, no matter how many of the, uh, the Trump followers they kill, you know, the kook just keeps rolling along. They are still trying to end democracy in America. The Washington Post had, had a headline, you know, a week or so ago. This was the, the base, because of a CBS News poll found half of all registered Republicans think a more effective strategy for their party than coming up with ideas that people want to vote for is changing voting laws so that Democrats can't vote. The headline in the Washington Post, almost half of Republicans admit they're ready to ditch democracy. That was just the headline. Trump, and, and, and by the way, this coup is very profitable. Trump has raised, as I said, over 100 million bucks. DeSantis has raised $44 million. Marjorie Trader Greene raised $3 million in the first three months of the year, and she wasn't doing anything. She'd lost all her committee assignments. 
for lying to her voters. I mean, you've got a bunch of Trumpy Republicans who are just rolling in the dough. So what I'm saying is, and, and now we hear that, you know, the, the, the proof that it started the day after the election, Trump goes to his Department of Justice and says, just declare this thing, this election uh, marred with fraud, and me and my Republican congressman will take care of it from there. We'll take it from there. Right. And then, you know, that didn't work. The DOJ didn't go along with it. So January 6th happened where they tried to assassinate Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. And the only person, by the way, and I don't know why this doesn't get highlighted, and it is in the news coverage, but it's very rarely highlighted. The only person who had the authority to activate the D.C. National Guard was the president. They're under the direct control of the executive branch. Every other state... It's the governor, but there is no governor in D.C. It's the district. It's not the state of Columbia. They don't have statehood. And the mayor of the district has no power over the National Guard, although there's legislation right now to try to give it to her. But, you know, Trump would not, and Trump's guy, Chris Miller, would not activate the National Guard. And meanwhile, we've got, you know, all across the United States, local school boards being seized by anti-American Trumpies, you know, followers of this former reality TV star. And this is, this is becoming a very alarming phenomenon. So I'm telling you, this coup was not January 6th. It started with the Trump presidency. It went on steroids the day after he lost the 2020 election. And it continues to this day with just as much momentum as it ever had. And it's spinning off hundreds of millions of dollars that the people who are promoting it are stuffing in their pockets. Vanilla ISIS terrorism. This uh, Chauncey De Vega is writing about this over on Salon, and I think it got picked up by Raw Story as well. He's talking about how we are not accurately describing Donald Trump and his allies. Drawing parallels between Trump and his followers and ISIS, only this is white supremacy instead of Muslim supremacy. And, uh, you know, he, he, he goes through this in some detail he's, he, and talks about this essay over a Vanity Fair on Christian nationalism and how Jeff Charlotte points out the founding myth why Christian nationalism is un-American. He notes the Jericho marchers who blew shofars around the Capitol on January 5th in a reenactment of the Holy Conquest in the book of Joshua. Bottom line, there is a huge religious piece to this Trump movement. There's a huge religious piece. I th in fact, I think you can argue uh, accurately that the QAnon cult is a religious cult, not just because they believe in something, but it's, it's a, it is the latest offspring of radicalized fundamentalist Christianity. They proclaim Jesus. They are, they are outspoken fundamentalist Christians who also believe that Democrats are drinking the blood of children, that Satan has infected our body politic, that Donald Trump was sent by God to save America from democracy, that democracy is a terrible thing because it's mob rule, that the founders never intended to have democracy. All this weird and bizarre mythology 
that every now and then is grounded in a little kernel of truth that just makes it seem so credible, and it's absolutely not. And if this continues to go down this road, and I'm going to rant about this at greater length tomorrow, but if this continues to go down this road, we have the potential to spin off our own Al-Qaeda or ISIS movement here in the United States. If you think this is something that only happens in countries where you know only 1% of the population has a college education like Afghanistan or, or, or maybe 5% like Iraq, think again. This is part of the history of Western civilization. I mean, just look at the Crusades. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On the line with us is Alan Minsky, the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America, pdamerica.org. PDAmerica is also the Twitter handle. Alan, welcome back to the program. It's been a long time since we've talked. I've been mm -hmm. ranting about how Tucker Carlson's doing his show from Hungary. There's an international movement to end democracy. The democracy has already been ended in Hungary. We're seeing, you know, the, the complete rise of a neo-fascism or a, an oligarchy. I mean, I wrote a book about this, The Hidden History of Oligarchy. And there's a whole chapter about Viktor Orban in that book. I published a piece about it this morning. You guys are one of the premier organizations out there that is holding the line to try to strengthen and revive democracy in America. Tell us what you're up to these days. Oh, absolutely, Tom. And it's so great to join you. And I do want to say this right off the bat. In fact, I have right now my opinion pieces on CommonDreams.org. It is about Nina Turner. The subtitle is A Champion of the People Redeeming Our Frayed Democracy. It actually fra it frames the Turner campaign in Ohio 11th around the right-wing efforts to suppress democracy in the United States and how she is 
a pro-democracy candidate. And this is obviously central to the work that PDA is doing these days. We are adamant about the necessity of, look, something has to happen in the next few weeks because the deadline for partisan gerrymandering is coming up. So this is something that we're pushing. Actually, later this week, we're going to have call-ins to members of Congress about the need to move on voting rights ASAP, because this is the first hard deadline. And yes, partisan gerrymandering is, of course, a perversion of our democracy. So, yes, that is one of the many fronts that we work on. And, you know, Tom, you are one of the people who was there with progressive Democrats from the beginning. And we have remained a multi-issue across-the-board organization, uh, holding up progressive positions on really every uh, set of issues and every facet of American life and American politics. And so, obviously, we have our priorities, but we take the full breadth of everything and uh, at the core is reinvigorating uh, America as a democratic society. Basically, we have two options. We can either move back pre-Reagan, back toward an American vision where we have a strong and healthy middle class. You know, the billionaires are, are doing just fine, thank you very much, but they don't run the show politically. Or we can move just a few more steps to the right and end up like Tucker Carlson wants us to, like Viktor Orban's Hungary, where the hard right and the Christian nationalists are running the whole damn show. We're talking with Alan Minsky, the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America. PDAmerica.org is the website and the Twitter handle. Alan, you guys were at the forefront of the Medicare for All movement. Uh, you know, Tim Carpenter, mm -hmm. your predecessor, was on this program many, many times, just pounding on this over the years. Where are we at with that? How are we moving forward? Well, of course, it's an absolute necessity. And, you know, you, you know, one of the things that we really have a weakness in in the society, and it's getting worse and worse, is the absence of investigative journalism. But still, there's no shortage of stories, all, you know, all across the, the United States of America of how people are unable to get the health care they needed. They were unable to do that during the pandemic. Uh, and uh, we have more co-sponsors up on Capitol Hill for uh, universal single-payer Medicare for all than in any Congress. We're going to actually pass the number from last Congress, even though the Democratic caucus, of course, is smaller than last Congress. And we are also, by the way, supporting Medicare, the Medicare expansion proposal that Bernie Sanders and Pramila Jayapal are championing in the upcoming um, uh, you know, the reconciliation half right. of the infrastructure. Tell us about that. Well, again, what the three that are on the table and two look very likely to go through are an expansion of Medicare to include vision, dental and hearing and to have that be covered by classical Medicare so there's no private, not the privatization wing of Medicare. So to strengthen classical Medicare, make it even more appealing to the people who have it and the people who don't. Uh, and that we feel means it is in, it works for the general movement to have it. It doesn't cut against it because it's more is being given and therefore we won't need it. It shows how strong it is and why people want it. Then to have Medicare negotiate drug prices, which will save people and the government tons of money as you can imagine, the pharmaceutical lobby. It's like $60 billion a year that they're ripping us off. And this, you can't negotiate, Medicare can't negotiate drug prices. It's absolutely insane. We're talking and with Alan Minsky, Executive Director, Progressive Democrats of America, pdamerica.org. We do all of this through the most broad, dispersed citizen lobbying project in the country. It's called the PDA Congressional Liaison Project. And if you go to pdamerica.org right now, we've added a special sign-up form 
for listeners to the Tom Hartman Show. If folks are interested, here's what it is. You, if you, you live in the congressional district, everybody does, and we want actual constituents to be the liaisons to their congressional offices. The project's been running up for about six months. I've longed, just, I've longed for this moment to introduce this to the listeners of the Tom Hartman Show, the first show I've brought this up in this manner to. And, uh, you know, because the listeners of the show really understand how our legislative process works and what we can do to be a countervailing force against corporate lobbyists. And the best weapon we have are mobilizing people. This is a part of our democratic republic that isn't being used enough. Citizens lobbying their own elected representatives. It's a brilliant program. We have multiple liaisons in each district, and we'd love for Tom Hartman listeners to sign up. And there's a sign-up form really simple to fill out. We'll just get in touch with you afterwards. It's at pdamerica.org. Tom, it's an very honor good. to be with you. Thank you, Alan. Alan Minsky, Executive Director of Progressive Democrats of America, pdamerica.org. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. in Los Angeles. Hey, Miguel, what's on your mind today? Calling about something that I think is really important that people haven't really talked about, and that is why there are so many cults about Trump. Mm. And I think that the answer is that he was on The Apprentice for 15 years. I don't know if it's still on or not, but it was over 15 years. And many of the people think that they know him, and they think that that was Trump. They think that all the characteristics that they had for that TV Trump is actually Trump. Right. And so I think if the media would contrast the, uh, the competent TV Trump with the incompetent Trump, <laughs> it might be it might be very helpful for. I think it, I think it would uh, would uh, change a lot of people's minds. That's a that's an excellent point, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of people. Their only knowledge of, you know, New Yorkers knew Trump, but that was pretty much it. I mean, you know, he was, and, and, and New Yorkers had a very terrible opinion of him, but he was exactly. on this TV show all these years and, and people think it's reality TV, but that's just a brand name. It's actually scripted. It is heavily sure. produced. They do multiple sure. takes on individual scenes. Um, the, sure. the, uh, the whole boardroom thing was a set in a TV studio. When people audition to be contestants, they're actors' auditions. You know, you have to be sure. a good actor. It's just that simple. Occasionally, you get a celebrity who actually is a good actor, and they could therefore qualify for it. But it was all a performance. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm absolutely with you. 
Uh, Miguel, thank you. Thank you for the call. Spot on. George in Lakewood, Colorado. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Oh, I just wanted to tell you why all must get vaccinated. And that's because of what we set out to do in accordance with uh, Dr. Fauci. We say uh, it was to save lives and eradicate as many, uh, save as many lives as we could and eradicate the uh, virus uh, by uh, achieving over 70% vaccinated. Well, all the naysayers are preventing that. Well, and it's gotten even worse now with the Delta variant because the Delta variant is so much more contagious, it's probably going to require over a 90% vaccination rate to achieve what, what the vaccine people call herd immunity. And, uh, you know, and, and this Delta variant will reinfect you if you have already had COVID. There are a lot of people who had COVID back a year ago and think, oh, you know, I'm good, I already had COVID. Uh, no, you'll get it all over again and it can take you down and kill you just as easily as it could the first time around. So uh, excellent point, uh, excellent point, George. Thank you very much for the call. Diane in Sanford, Maine. Hey, Diane, what's on your mind today? Well, hi, brilliant Tom. I may have missed this if you had covered it in the past, but this does have to do with vaccine mandates. And um, I know that I'm your age, and I think this is to speak to um, uh, my generation would understand, I think, but the younger generations, I don't think that they understand that the reason they don't have polio, diphtheria, smallpox, any of these, is because these vaccines were mandated. Mm-hmm. You could not send your kids to school without these vaccinations. Yep. Or they couldn't go to school. Yep. So how that has changed, and I would say that COVID is now among these deadly diseases. Oh, absolutely. I don't understand. I do not understand why it's not mandated, why there is even a question about it. I I think the main reason, Diana, is that it has not yet uh, obtained that full certification from the FDA, which, by the way, typically takes a decade. Um, You know, this is less than a year, but it hasn't gotten that full certification. So the so the the legal, you know, it's 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 I, I believe it's legally difficult to mandate anything that hasn't been fully, fully uh, signed off on. Which, but that's probably well, going to come in the next few weeks from everything I'm hearing in the media. Well, I, I certainly hope so. But I, another thought is that as far as like, you know how, especially the right wing um, and the anti-government assistance people, mm-hmm. they're always saying, uh, we hate government free stuff. We hate that free stuff, you know? Right. Well, you know what? Right now, this vaccination is free yeah. and it's government paid for. If they put a limit on that, like two months, it's like, okay, you got up to two months and it's free. After that, you people, it's out of your own pocket. Right, and it'll be a you know either the vaccine itself will probably be a hundred, hundred fifty bucks, and and then That's you've got right. to pay the doctor to, to administer the shot. So, uh, get That's ready. Right. Yeah, spot on, Diana. And, and even even with the hospital, it's yeah. like okay, you get in here now. Oh, they'll charge okay. even more. <laughs> You're listening to Tom Hartman. Ron in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Hey, Ron, what's on your mind today? Tom, this this isn't going to go to your uh, earlier point, uh, the American Taliban. But do you agree with me that we owe our generals and admirals, especially uh, General uh, Milley, that they did not uh, go along with Trump and do a coup d'etat? 
So in other words, our delicate balance of democracy was held together by generals and their decisions. Now, to pay, now if, if we agree with that, now whether we agree with that or not, I contend this is a very good time for young people to go into the military. The military is being purged of white supremacists. They started that when they had to check on the National Guard that were going to go into the, the Capitol to defend it. And now is the time, and again, for national service. But isn't it, isn't it better for our people to be in training, to be trained in weapons and other skills that are vitally needed, whether we win or lose the election? You understand what I'm talking about, Tom? Maybe I do. Because if if, here's another point. May, if it comes to that, if, there, if we're in camps, Maybe some of our, our, our kinfolk, our friends who, who joined the military and are still in there can help us. Well, I, I, I wouldn't long term. I, yeah, I would I would be reluctant to suggest that people should join the military because they can learn how to kill or do hand to hand combat. But I do think that um, having some form of national service, which could include for those people who would like to do it, the military is uh, broadly speaking a good thing and i think an all-volunteer army is broadly speaking a bad thing and uh, it's it's one of the reasons that um i mean there's a huge debate around uh, having an all-volunteer army or not and many countries don't have all-volunteer armies for the very reason that that's how you end up with you know an army that actually threatens the country itself because then you get this insular you know, uh, culture of we're on this side and there, and the civilians are on that side, and that's not a good or a healthy thing. So, I, you know, I, it's a, it's a, it's an important point, Ron. It's a Tom, really important. Tom, point. your show is broadcast to, to our military forces. I'd like to have some of them call in with what, how they feel. Yeah, by and large, they hear a replay; they don't hear it live. Yeah, they'll hear the conversation. Ron, thank you for the call. Israel in Chandler, Arizona. Hey, Israel, what's up? just wanted to add my two cents on all the commentary on shadow governments. Mm -hmm. I think that, and I don't think it's a good idea for us. Number one, it's a technical reason. The other three English-speaking countries are parliamentary systems. Correct. The outsider party, the opposition, had to be ready to take over government on virtually a moment's notice within a matter of weeks of an election. If they, if they You're absolutely right. And, and, in, and in, uh, in the U.K., I think it is elections have to happen within six weeks of parliament being, being dissolved. Yes. Something like exactly. that. It's a relatively short period of time. Exactly. It's probably the case in other countries, the other too. Point, yeah. The other point that I think is much more important is for us, we elect a new administration to come in and administer the government, not change the laws, not change the policies. Any laws that are in place, when that new administration come in, must forcefully administer the letter and the spirit of the law just because they don't like it. If they don't like it, propose a new law and we'll vote on that. But right. we vote in new administrations, not new governments. And that's I a good that's point. A fundamental difference. Israel, thank you. Uh, I learned <laughs> something from you today. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's. Well, you spark a lot of thinking every day. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, it's, you know, hanging out here with some of the smartest people on earth is such a privilege. Israel, thank you very much. William in Austin, Texas, it says here that uh, you want to tell me that I'm a liar. What am I lying about, William? Well, you're lying about a lot of things, Tom. And not, it's not just you. It's everybody. Well, Russia collusion. You lied about that. Okay, so what, what, about, is, what is my lie about Donald Trump trying to, trying to collude with Russia to get himself elected president? What's the lie about that? That he didn't do that. 
in your you know in you say you don't you don't think that there was a meeting in trump tower where 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 donald trump jr and his friends got together with some with a an agent of the russian government and said who offered some help and he said cool point is that you are trying to train your sycophants to accept the lies as long as the lies well i just knocked down your assertion that i was lying about russian collusion you didn't knock down anything there was no russian collusion and you know it you know okay, so what's what's the well? You know we'll we'll, we'll stipulate we're disagreeing on that, William. You know what else? Did. What else are you thinking that I'm you lying? You know about? that Biden yeah. extorted the Ukraine. You know these. No, things. I don't. It's actually, actually there's no you evidence of that at all. Christian nationalism. That okay, you're talking about it's a lie. Not the Crusades, Tom. This is not the Middle no, Ages. No, it's clearly not the Crusades. But the if you don't think back that the, to the Middle Ages is deceptive. There are people in the United States, a lot of them, who believe that the United States is a Christian nation, which is not what the founders said, and that it should be a white nation. White people should be running it. That is Christian nationalism or Christian white nationalism. And well, I think that it's poison. That is not true. That is not true. I'm a white Christian. So am I. Okay. And, that, and I don't think we should go out and... and uh, get rid of all the other people or or practice that sort of discrimination. Neither do I, William, but there are people things. who do. There might be a few, but there are a few. But, you know, your Antifa people aren't peaceful protesters either. I am not hearing from people on the right. I am not hearing from Republican politicians that those people on the right who showed up, for example, in Charlottesville, North, uh, in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and marched with the tiki torches and said, Jews will not replace us. And what that meant was they will not replace us with black people. The, the whole allegation that tripped that off was this argument that George Soros was paying to, to bring black people in to replace white people in their jobs, right? So this Jews Very will not replace us. crafted them. liberal response. No, I'm telling you, know, you that, the truth. We all saw it. And, and I'm not hearing, you know, Donald Trump defended that. No, he didn't. He said there were some good people out there and there were some bad people out there. On both sides. He's always right. said that. That's a defense of that. That's right. Just like when, when he said that uh, we're letting criminals in the United States through the borders, y'all made it sound like he called every Mexican in- immigrant a killer and a rapist. Well, he, he that did. Either. That's, That's how he lie. kicked off his presidential campaign, William. He he started out by no, saying, "Say there." No, sir, that's a lie. That's a you didn't you lie. didn't watch his his. And you uh, keep repeating it. You didn't watch his his statement when he came down the golden elevator and said, "You know, Mexico is sending us killers and rapists." And they were, and they were. There, the, not not the everybody that crosses the border. Not everybody that crosses the border is a killer or a rapist. Everybody no, knows that. Okay, so so that. William, you're he said Okay, that. so you're going to try you're just going to you're you're just going to try and sanitize Donald Trump here. What? Why I'm not is Donald Trump? It. Why it, let me ask you a positive here, William. What appeals to you about Trump? What Trump was able to do with the economy, what he was able to do with the border, what he was able to do with the vaccine, what he was able to do limiting the Marxist takeover of this country. Okay, so let's take those one at a time. He crashed the economy. No, he didn't crash. I think you could argue that the the, the virus crashed the economy, but you know, he presided over that. We had the worst economic crash since 1929. No, 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 that's that's not true. That's not true. It just didn't happen, huh? The stock market was up. 
wages were up, employment was up, everything was up. When he when Biden was inaugurated, things started to go to south, and everybody knows it. Oh, that's but when it happened. I thought show. it happened back in yeah. last summer, in March, April, May, when when we started locking down. I I didn't realize it. William, come on, you're you're if, you're living in a. He, and, and, and you said he's, a, he's stopping, he, he said he's stopping the, the Marxist takeover of America. What Marxism are Democrats promoting in your mind? Well, what's going on right now in New York City is a form of Marxism. What are you talking about? And, and when de Blasio says we're going to start requiring people uh, to have a vaccine mandate. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's. Why? I I don't recall Karl Marx ever writing about vaccine mandates. I do recall George Washington. I mean, not in my lifetime, but I I recall reading about George Washington requiring all the troops at Valley Forge to be vaccinated for smallpox. And he would not take them unless they could show the scab on their arm, proving that they had been vaccinated. Seems to me like that's the American way, William. Well, I disagree with the vaccine part. Um, in, in the in the part that where you say that the do- democracy the do- democracy is dying. It's but how not, how is that Marxism? Uh, how is it Marxism to say that if you're if you're the, potentially way, sick, you can't Marxism come into my is place a way of business? Of applying power, of using power, it's Marxist. No, Mark, it's Karl Marx's shtick was from each according to his needs to each according uh, his ability and to each according to his needs. It was that there is no more private property, that the government owns everything, the government manufactures goods. Um, I, I mean, I was in the Soviet Union when it was the Soviet Union. I lived in Germany about 10 miles from the East German border when it was East Germany. I could tell you about, about how that plays out. It was ugly. And I don't think that, you know, requiring people to show that they're not sick before they can come into a restaurant and cough on other people is that. What about taking the vaccine and then requiring them to wear masks again? Well, now that we know that with the Delta variant, even people who are vaccinated, although they're not going to get sick enough to get in the hospital or die, they can spread the disease to people who aren't vaccinated. It's a simple Christian request that the people who are protected with the vaccine protect their brothers and sisters who have chosen not to be protected the with the vaccine. The next step will be a mandate. It's always the next step is a mandate. In the, in the Marxism part is the, is the abuse of that central power. Yeah, what you're talking about, William, is not Marxism. What you're talking about is some kind of tyranny, if, if, if you want to understand it in those terms. Uh, it's state I'm power. About Marxism and state power is a, at, is at the a point of a gun. Yeah, and state and I'm and about Marxism at the point of the gun, which is communism. That well, no, that's government. That is government. Government all over the world. No, it's not communism. It's government. And 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 you know, one of the things Marxism that we all need to be very communism. One of the things that we all yeah, and I, when when the local state government shows up at my office with a gun to tell me that they are taking over my radio show because I no longer can run a private business, then I'll agree with you. But so far it hasn't happened, and it's not happening anywhere in the United States to the best of my knowledge. This is not what you're talking about. Assuming that I'm taking your worldview, that somehow it's oppressive to have the government say I have to have a vaccine, that's not communism, that's tyranny. 
That that is You're the opposite little, of liberty. A little step at a time. You're taking it a little step at a time. But again, you know, uh, you know, with a certain generation, you can throw around the word communism and get people to freak out and run in 16 different directions. But I don't think it works anymore. William, I, I you know, I well, hope we can have future conversations. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to move along, though, because we're starting to it, it's just not going anywhere here. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for giving it a good try. Michelle in Denver. Hey, Michelle, what's up? There you go, Tom. That's why we cannot get anywhere. Why? <laughs> the simple fact that people in this country are pretty much ignorant to reality. Number one. Number two, convenience. Jeff Bezos is $161 billion Something like because that. Because rather than to get in a car or to drive or to walk to a store, we're going to go with what's convenient, and that's not going to stop, unfortunately. Um, rather than make sure that the local grocer or somebody else, we're going to go to a supermarket chain because it's more closer, it's convenient, they offer more online. Yeah, well, the, 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 the toxic thing, Michelle, about Jeff Bezos is not that he's offering us convenient service. I mean, that was brilliant. He was just, all he did was he he, uh, it's the metaverse, right? He's using uh, Amazon. Uh, he's using the internet to do what we used to do by making, you know, star stores and try to have multiple outlets so that they would be convenient for you. But the danger, the you know, the, the downside of Amazon is where uh, he, he's reaching out to small companies and saying, you can sell through us. And then as soon as they discover that, hey, ironing boards are doing really well, then they, they put the ironing board manufacturer out of business and come out with an Amazon-branded ironing board. And I'm just pulling stuff out of thin air here. But, but they've done it with batteries. They've done it with cables. They've, you know, they're doing it with all kinds of things. And that, in my opinion, is a violation of the antitrust laws that are designed to to protect competition and to protect small businesses in America. And right. you know, we've got some and serious problems agreeing. there. Right, and I'm agreeing with that, but that's why it'll never change. Oh, I, I think it could change. Priority of, we're lazy. We are the laziest nation on the planet. Well, that I may think be. it can we can change it, but unfortunately because people prefer that over anything else is why we are the way we are in this country. We have to have it now. We yeah. have to have it be convenient. And on top of that, people don't care. I argue with people all the time. I know people who are refusing to pay attention to what's happening, who don't believe it, yeah. who literally would rather stay in their home and tune out than to pay attention to what's going on and protest or write their congressman or go to their office. Which is unfortunate. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. 
That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kino in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kino, how's the, how's the moose herders doing? Well, you know, I've converted to the Green Party, and I wanted to say, Tom, okay. the, future, the future of humanity is in the hands of the German voters in their coming September elections there because of the two big problems facing humanity, global warming and the survival of democratic governments around the world. Now, these two issues come together there in Germany because the voters can choose a Green Party chancellor prime minister candidate, a woman by the name of Anna Lena Baerbock, and she and her party want to prioritize dealing with the climate problem. Yeah. And I, I want to write a love letter to the German voters and ask them to choose on Alina for the future good of all of humanity. But my local newspaper quit publishing my letters when I converted from the Republican Party to the Green Party. They will not publish my letters anymore. Now, do you have any ideas where I might get my love letter to the Germans and, and plead with the Germans to vote in uh, for this existential threat about global warming? They have an opportunity, and democracies all over the world are struggling. And Annalena Baerbock is the only one that wants to stand up to China and Russia. The two other, the Christian Democrats and the Social Democrats, they want to coddle and kowtow to China and Germany so they get good trade deals. And we in America need to focus on this election and give some cheerleading for Annalena. And, uh, but where can I write a love letter to the German people, Tom? You got any ideas? I do. A friend of mine, Rob Call, started a website called opednews.com, O-P-E-D-N-E-W-S.com. Back, okay. geez, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, Rob started that thing. And uh, it has become one of the better places on the Internet where writers who are just, you know, getting their, getting their feet wet and, and, and fine-tuning their craft, uh, along okay. with experienced writers, I mean, my stuff gets published over at Op-Ed News all the time, can get their work published. So I would suggest that you reach out to Op-Ed News. And, say and it again, Tom, say the, the website again. Well, the, you know, Op-Ed stands for Opinion Editorial, right? O-P-E-D, and then the word news, opednews.com. That's the website. Opednews.com. Yeah. Okay. Don't you think the German people, we should cheerlead for them because they have a chance to change the future of humanity? I think Germany has a hell of a challenge in front of them right now, uh, Kino. You've, you've got uh, Angela Merkel is on her way out, so you've got a lame duck prime minister or chancellor, whatever her title is. You've got Alles für Deutschland or whatever it is, AFD, uh, you know, yeah. the surgeant, not quite neo-Nazi, but way to the right of the traditional right-wing parties right. in Germany, uh, essentially a white nationalist party rising up, and, and their main thing is trashing the Turkish gastarbeiters, the Turks who came there after World War II to help rebuild the country, and their children and grandchildren. And then on the other hand, you've got a growing left wing in Germany that has been was instrumental in taking Germany off nuclear power. They're going to decommission their last nuclear power plants in the, in the next few years and, and the 100,000 rooftop program. And I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Germany. And there's a lot of scary stuff. And I think they're, they're kind of a microcosm of the world. 
So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and the Green Party is, is filled with vitality in Germany uh, because they have a parliamentary system where you can have multiple parties participating, unlike the United States. So, Kino, check out, uh, check out my friend Rob Call's website. Mike in Indianapolis. Hey, Mike, what's up? I wanted to move uh, back into the world, uh, part of the world where Hungary is, and uh, Viktor Orbán. But mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk uh, briefly about the neighbor to the north of Hungary, which is Slovakia, which is the land uh, my grandfather and great grandfather came from. Nine oh three in history, uh, the year nine oh three was when the Huns, the Hungarians, invaded Slovakia. Were the Huns and the Hungarians? I thought the Huns were were Asian. No, no. Well, it was. Uh, I think I believe that the Huns were settled in there in that part of the world, and uh, that's where they came to uh, when, when they invaded Rome and everything else. <laughs> they may have come from Asia originally. In fact, the Slovakians may have come from Asia originally, in the northern part of Asia, and yeah. due to some disaster, uh, moved down there. I confess, but, I know almost nothing about that time or that period. Uh, you know that area. So, continue educating me, Mike. All right. Well, anyway, so, so the Huns, uh, the Hungarians, put us through all of the uh, problems while they were there. You know, Slovakia finally became a nation in, uh, what was it? It was in the 1990s. I think it was 1994 mm-hmm. uh, when they split apart from the Czech Republic. And so they finally became their own nation. Ever since they did that, one of the very first acts that they did was close the border with Hungary. And it remains closed to this day. Um, So was that because of Orban? Well, it was not because of Orban, but it was because of the history that they've had under Hungarian rule, the whole uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire thing, all of the requirement, the cruelty they were treated with. They began, when they closed the border, repatriation of Hungarians, all Hungarians in, uh, in Slovakia. And uh, they, I believe as of 10 years ago, that's the latest figures I have. They had it down to 57,000 people. But I think looking at what came with Orbas and everything else, even though they got in trouble with the European people because of uh, not letting the uh, uh, Arabians up, come in a couple of years ago. But uh, you know, that was they could get in the other borders, but they couldn't get in the Hungarian. Interesting. Mike, I'm sorry. We're out of time. We're just flat out of time. It's the end of the show, in fact. Thanks so much for being with us tomorrow. Today, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It does require all of us. That includes you. We need to participate. We really need to participate. PDAmerica.org. Check it out. Thanks again for being with us today. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Tag your it. Get out there and get active. And be good to yourself and the people around you. You've we'll been you listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.